All right, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And maybe one of the most serious topics I need to preach on tonight. It is a very difficult topic. Uh, I'm going to be preaching on sin. It's hard to address. It's hard to talk. It's hard to preach on it and get it just right because people are easily offended. The most common thing that you and I have as human beings in life is that we're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have preached a lot of funerals, hundreds of them, and a lot of times it's people I have never met in my life. I just get called. Somebody's died, a young person or something in a tragic accident. I don't know who they are, and so... I've got this very difficult message of the gospel to preach. Now, the gospel is good news, isn't it? There's forgiveness, the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But you've got to get people to understand there's a reason Christ had to die. And it wasn't just a simple death. It had to be suffering. It had to be suffering death because the wages of sin. In the eyes of God Almighty, the Creator, the wages, the payment for sin is death, and it's not an easy death. There's no way for me to preach tonight as a minister of the gospel and make it clear to you. I don't know that it's even within human comprehension for us to understand how much God hates sin. And it's not just because it's against His holiness. And it is against His holiness. He's righteous. See, where you and I can maybe not stomach certain sins, certain sins tonight would, uh, and I'm not particularly a brave man, but I can tell you this, folks, there are certain sins tonight that would call me to action. If I saw a pedophile, pedophile have a young child in his hands and grasp. I saw in the news this evening where a man in the Springfield News had uh, committed sodomy upon a young child for over five years. And boy, there's anger that swells up inside of me. There's a sickening feeling that I get in my stomach, and it's nowhere near what God Almighty feels. Do you know the Holy Spirit can be grieved? When you and I have asked for forgiveness of the sins that he died for. Folks, mark this down. It's not the cat of nine tails of whips on his back that Jesus prayed for this cup to pass from me. He was ready for that. It wasn't the spittle upon his face or the plucking of his beard or a crown of thorns upon his head or nails in his hands. That's not why he prayed such a prayer. It was that the Father was going to lay on him the iniquity, the sins of us all. He knew no sin. He hated sin as much as the Father. It was against his nature, and yet on the cross of Calvary, he would bear that sin. And as the Father laid it on him, he's left there all alone on the cross. As sin separates you from God, he's separated from his Father and he'll have to cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
And so I preach these things at funerals, and I have to present people with the idea that, hey, you sin. And I'll say this. There's one thing, one statement I can make that uh, most people will accept. You may not think yourself a sinner, but those who know you and have to be around you all the time know you have your moments where you're not so hot. We've all sinned and come short of glory. Now, the key to that, key to getting something done about that is getting people to be sorry about being sinful. Godly sorrow, that's the hard part. We live in a day and age, folks, when the message has been watered down, softened. I heard an advertisement on the TV out of St. Louis the other day, uh, and it came out, and I, God bless them, they got good intentions, but I'm telling you, just missing the biblical point of what God's Word says when, it, when the person says, just pray the prayer, Lord, forgive me for making these errors. Sin is more than an error. It is much more than that to God. And there's something that has to take place for true, born-again experience, Holy Ghost salvation, a cleansing of the, of the planks so that our sins can be washed away to take place. And that is, we have to look God square in the eyes and say, I'm sorry. I couldn't possibly name every sin that I've ever done. I could, matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. In my eyes, my human reasoning, I couldn't even name you every sin because some things I've done that ain't sin to me is sin to God. He's much more holier than I am. It's amazing. It's just a testimony of his mercy that he kept me alive long enough to get me right because he could have wiped, he could have blowed us all into toothpicks a long time ago. Godly sorrow. Paul wrote a letter one time. The Apostle Paul, they had some sin in the church. Terrible sin. And, and he had to tell them to deal with it. He had to rebuke the church over their attitude about it. And the letter had the possibility of just destroying the relationship that Paul had with this church at Corinth. He worried about it. He fretted about it. Titus, they didn't have internet, didn't have anything. So he had to wait months while Titus went and talked to him and brought back the message and he addresses that message in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 6 Nevertheless God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus and not by his coming only but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning your fervent mind towards me so that I rejoiced the more, in other words, they mourned that they had done this wrong, that Paul would have to write them such a letter, and they loved Paul, and it just lifted his spirits. Verse 8 speaks of how Paul felt when he wrote the letter. Verse 8 says, For though I made you sorry with the letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. Now what? Does that make sense? I don't repent that I wrote it, even though I did repent. Sometimes the Bible is just a little hard to figure out exactly what it's saying. Well, here's what it's saying. Paul's writing a letter. He does not want to write it. Anybody that loves confrontation is a nut. I don't like confrontation. I'd rather do without it. Look here, if a snake's in the road, I'd just soon, hey, stay there if you want to. I'll go around you. But sometimes when the devil's knocking on the door... You've got to confront it. 
You've got to meet it head on. And that's what Paul did. Paul in his heart did not want to write it. He repented. I don't want to write it. But he knew it's what God wanted him to write. So he wrote it. He said, For I perceive that this same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorry to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us and nothing. Now let me qualify this just a little bit. I, I want to be sure I get this right tonight. There is a way to write a letter. There is a way to express the truth of God's word. And there's a way not to do it. It's one thing to point out somebody's sin. It's one thing to go to a brother or somebody who's overtaken a fault and minister to them. There's another way to do it. I'll never forget, I was on the camp board, me and Jimmy Kaiser. Was, where's he at, anyways? I've been wanting to get a meal off of him for decades. <laughs> and I have eluded it. Or he has eluded that, but I'm going to get it come Thursday, a meal off of Jimmy and Melissa. God bless their heart. What? Oh, I'm getting it tomorrow. Well, praise God. <laughs> getting it tomorrow off of it. We were on a camp board. I don't know if Jimmy will remember this, but we had two ladies who were attending camp, and they weren't doing nothing. They were just sitting around, just enjoying their own little world. They weren't ministering to the kids or doing nothing, and they were complaining about everything. And I was out, we had come out of the old uh, uh, mess hall that was there before the one that they've got now is. And I was standing outside and two young girls had come out who weren't just dressed quite the way they are to be. And I saw these two women get a hold of them and just rebuke them right there in front of everybody. And my heart sunk. When those girls left and went back to their cabin, I got a hold of those two women and I rebuked them. There's a way to do things. You can do more damage if you ain't careful. Paul is literally burdened that he has to make them sorry. It should bother you. But it shouldn't keep you from confronting sin. Notice this. Notice what he says about godly sorrow. Verse 10. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Amen. That's what God is after. The mercy, the grace, the love, the blessings, all of that are ready to be poured out in heaven, but they never come until there's some type of repentance. Lord, I'm sorry that Christ had to die for my sins at Calvary. Godly sorrow worketh repentance and salvation. Not to be repented of, but sorrow of the world worketh death. Behold, notice verse 11. For behold the selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sorrow. What carefulness it wrought in you. See, godly sorrow brings a carefulness. Look here. Christ died for my sins. I am sorry about that. And Lord, I'm going to be careful not to live this way that grieves the Spirit of God that you put inside of me and that is, that is blasphemous to the very blood that was shed at Calvary for my life. It wrought in you what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, what zeal, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 7 real quick. Now there's a lot in the Bible to address this issue and I can't get to it all. Cain has killed his brother Abel. Cain has killed him. He's murdered him. And you know what? From the evidence, what little evidence we have of that story, 
Cain is not even too bothered about it. We don't read of anything about any remorse or anything like that at all. He, matter of fact, he wants to complain to God about his own judgment. And God has to answer him and say, well, what are you so upset about? If you're living right, everything will be fine. But if not, and here's the statement, sin lieth at your door. You're being punished because of what your sins have caused you to do. Sin is very destructive. Jesus made this statement in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, when he's expressing about the end of times and the troubling days that we're going to go through as we approach times of tribulation, as we approach times of, 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 of wars and rumors of wars and iniquity. He said, because iniquity, because sin would abound, he said, this is what will happen. The love of many will wax cold. He said, this is the beginning of sorrows. Sorrows for who? Sorrows for those who care. I care when I see the anger in the streets of my nation that I live in. When I see the bitterness. I'll tell you one reason I cared, and I'm not going to get into the story tonight. But when I was about, I guess, 15 years old, my dad, who had crippling arthritis and had become very bitter in his mind. I've never seen anybody with a worse case of crippling arthritis than what my dad. His hands were not a, he was in constant pain. And this was really before they even had discovered much of anything to even ease that pain. And they can't ease it very much today. It took a happy man, this arthritis that he had, it took a happy man and made him a bitter and an angry man. And one night my sister came in and had done something wrong and he got angry and my mom tried to step in between him before he had done her some damage and he turned on her and I came upstairs from the basement a 15 year old boy and there my dad pulled a butcher knife on me and my mom and I won't share any more of that story other than say this sin not arthritis was destroying my dad sin not arthritis I've met people who have been in terrible situations, but they have Jesus in their heart, and the love of God is all over them. Chapter 7. I'm going to read this scripture to you, and then I'm going to preach. Let me get a drink of water. Romans 7. Now, if you want to know about how God dealt with sin, Romans 6, 7, 8, take it, grab every word that's in there, digest every sentence, every verse, just and then pile it all together because it'll give you this plan of salvation in detail exactly what God was trying to do. God knew something. Not only would his son have to die at Calvary, but you and I would have to too. God the Father knew that. There'd be no changing you and me until you and I are crucified with Christ at Calvary because we were going to have to have new life. So he digs into it in chapter 7. He, said, he says in the first verse, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. 
The law is this. It's the commandments of God. And guess what? The commandments of God is what you and I have transgressed. Somebody said, what is sin? Sin is transgression of God's law. And here's the deal. Here's the perfection of a holy God. God says this. Our book of James describes this as God has inspired him to write it, that if a man keeps all the law, yet offends him one point, you know what he's guilty of? The whole thing. As if you've done it all wrong. Well, that's not fair. That's what the Creator God desires is perfection. And I haven't got time to preach this tonight, but I would love to. You are perfected in Christ. He's the perfect. He is the perfect sacrifice. And it is the perfect blood that cleanses you completely and casts away all that sin and covers it all. He is the perfect sacrifice. But as long as you live, you're under the law, and that law is there to condemn you. It enlightens you, but there's something about it that brings out of us and so he used the example of a woman dying to her husband. I haven't got time to go into all that. Verse 4, let's pick it up there. Wherefore, my brethren, be ye also, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Notice this. We become dead. If you go back to Romans chapter 6, it says we were crucified with him. We were buried with him. We died with him at Calvary so that we could be buried in death, planted and raised in his resurrection. That's what baptism shows. Somebody goes into the baptistry, they go into the water, under the water, dead, buried, and rises in new life in Christ. And that law is no longer there to destroy me. I've died to it. He says, let me read verse 4 again. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another. Hey, you people out there single that are saved, you're married. You know he's married? Oh, by the way, us men, we are the bride. (laughs) We are brides. Might already start acting like a little femininity, get a little bit of it in your life. We are the bride of Christ, and he is the groom. Notice this verse 6. Now we are delivered from the law delivered that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter what shall we say then is the law sin god forbid he said nay i had not known sin but by the law for i had not known just uh, lust except the law had said thou shalt not covet in other words the law reveals to us who god is And in this creator God, we find out how holy and righteous he is. We would not know this unless God says, Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not lust. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. That's how we know God doesn't like this stuff. God's word tells us. But that's what we are as human beings. He makes a statement. Verse 8. Sin, taken occasion by the command, taken occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concubines. Without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Now I know this is a little bit hard, but uh, the best way I can put it: Have you ever, if you've ever raised a baby, a sweet, angelic, 
little angel. What you will do, you will start to lay out before this sweet little baby, this angelic, oh, I just, I just love it when Kathy would give the, my kids, our babies at the time, those little baths. Then she'd grease them all up and you'd hand them to you and they'd slide right through your hands. They just smelled so sweet. They were so nice. I didn't know she was handing them to me little demons. I would instruct them. I'm the man of the house. Every kid has a desire to talk back. Hey, did you guys talk back? <laughs> and to the moon. What's the first word a kid learns? No. And it's not your no that you're respecting. That's the no they're telling you. They are laying down the law. There's something about telling. I have seen my kids, I've seen my grandkids fight over things they don't even like. Just because the other one's got it. it there's something about saying share that they don't like. They don't. It's that little spirit that's inside of everybody. Don't tell me what to do. Have you ever heard of this? Don't preach to me. Because that little spirit is in adults. Don't preach to me. All right, but I'm telling you, you're the one in danger if you don't want to be told what your evil is. It has to be pointed out or you won't fix it. And so the law is there to do that. Now here's the thing about this, and I'm going to get into this, and I'm, I'm done with the scriptures, and we're going to start preaching on it. I want you to notice real very quickly verse 10. Verse 10 says, the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, take occasion by the commandment, deceive me, and by it it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Nothing wrong with the law. It was my evil life. Verse 13. Was in that which is good made death unto me, God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin. I want you to get that. The word of God says sin, the law was given so sin might appear to be sin. We live in a day and age where sin doesn't appear to be sin anymore. I mean, I grew up in such a way, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin, and all of a sudden I come to find out, no, it's not sin. It's just my preference. You may not like it, but it's what I want, and if it's what I want, then it's okay. But we don't live like that if we are believe in a divine creator, because it's nothing about what you and I want, it is about what his will is and not ours, Amen. He says, sin might appear to be sin. As we march down to the end of the last days, before the world comes to an end, you can mark something down. Sin will be glossed over. Hey, what's wrong with a person that goes into a school down in Elevator, Texas, and shoots kids who are screaming and begging for their life? They're trying to figure that out, aren't they? Well, there's some type of mental something wrong. And I, there are probably issues that I don't understand. I can tell you that, but I can tell you this. Sin lied at the door. i got to hurry on. Not only sin might appear but sin, notice verse 13 where it says, that it might appear to be sin. Where 
death in me, but that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. So God's word is to paint to us a picture that sin is so sinful that we don't want to touch it. It is so horrific, it is so horrible, it is so destructive that we do not want to partake of it. We have failed as a nation to stop drugs, haven't we? It is plaguing our nation. Fentanyl is coming across our borders. It's flooding into our world. I, it doesn't matter where I preach. I preached up in Canada. It's there. It doesn't down. I thought, I thought drugs were confined to the city. No, it's in the country. And there's been enough evidence put out how destructive I have been to the prisons, I've been to the jail cells, I've been to the hospitals, I've been to the morgue, I've been to the broken homes. I've seen, everybody has seen what it's done, and yet it is prospering in the billions and trillions of dollars. Sin is destroying a nation. Hey, is greed a sin? How did the nation, the most richest nation in the history of mankind, the most richest nation on the face of the earth, become the poorest? You realize that we're $30 trillion in debt. You realize we ain't got enough money to pay for that. We never will. You realize who we owe the money to. We owe the money to China. How did, how did we get in this state? How did the richest nation on the face of the earth become the poorest? Oh, we're, we're still giving billions of dollars away, but we can't do that without borrowing it or printing it with nothing to back it up. It's, there is, the, the chickens are coming home to roost. It's because there's greed up there in Washington, D.C., there's power to be had. There's lobbyists. Sin. Well, let me see. The law was given so that sin might appear to be sin, so we can tell what it is, how destructive it is, because that's what God's concerned about. It's not just against His holiness, it's destroying His people. It will destroy His church. Thank God that He said the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Now let me go through this and see if I can kind of straighten this out just a little bit. What's our hope? Here's our hope. Sin made you and I sinners. We've all sinned come short of the glory of God. Don't get angry when somebody says you're a sinner. Somebody walk up and say, Preacher, do you know you're not perfect? Yeah. Preacher! You know, you've got things wrong with you. Now, look here. You're going to have to do a little searching to find some of those things. But if you dig, they're there. I've been, my wife gets the brunt of all my jokes and everything. But look here. She knows, hey, am I a sinner? See, she just can't say yes. She, oh, yeah. <laughs> Did that convince you? <laughs> Was that convincing? Oh, yeah. She, if she wasn't bashful and shy, she said, oh, yeah. She didn't really put that. Because I'm not perfect. But the blood of Christ <laughs> made me a saint. 
The blood. Now, wait a minute. You just said you're a saint. Yeah, I have this veil of flesh, and I'm telling you it's still yet today. Let me be quite honest and very frank. We've got, we got young kids here, but let me just be quite honest. Folks, I still have trouble looking at women. I'm a man. And I appreciate it that women would not dress in such a way to make me want to look at them in such a way. Now, I know that's old-fashioned stuff, but that is reality. God made Eve to look a certain way that when Adam saw her, his eyeballs would pop out. That's the way he made her. It just has to be under control. Is pornography destroying a lot of lives? Homes, marriages? We remember a time when Lucy and Ricky Ricardo couldn't be in the same bed on TV. Boy, boy, have we... Somebody said, well, where do you draw the line? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you right now, we ain't got a line drawn. I still have sinful tendencies. I have a, and as long as I have this body of flesh, I will. I can still get angry. I can get mad. I can, I can, I can, I can just bust at the same. I have, a, I have an anger issue. But it's the saintness. It's the, it's the blood of Christ that covers me, that makes me a child of the King, that allows the Spirit of God to come in, that now takes that word and opens my eyes to the dangers of it and what the troubles are with it and makes me want to be better and overcome. And there's the victory that we sung about in the song tonight. I'm a saint. When I kneel into God in presence, when I go to God in prayer, I always confess that I've sinned. But thank God, I can move on past that, but the blood, that cross right there at the Father's hand. Right there at the Father sets the Savior, and the Savior is right at his hand, and his blood has cleansed me from all that sin. So the Father says, well, I know that, but my, my son is taking care of you, so I don't see any of that stuff. I see him. Somebody said, well, thank God we'll get rid of the old devil. He brought sin into the world. No, 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 no. Sin was not created by the devil. Sin created the devil. Get that right. Sin does not... (laughs) The devil is not the all-powerful, all-victorious sin of just obeying him. Sin is what made him. He's the anointed cherub, right? He's, He's up there in heaven. He's got everything at his... Except for one thing, pride enters into his heart. He thinks he can be God. It's the reason he would come down here below with such a failure and try to get Eve and Adam tempted to be gods themselves. It's been weighing on his mind. He still thinks he can be God. Sin made the devil. And boy, boy, he's rotten, ain't he? That's what sin does. It'll make people rot. Now, by the way, sin takes, you, takes people to different levels. Not everybody is a murderer. But there's a lot of people who never murdered, but who thought about murdering people. What if you just think it, but don't do it? Jesus said you're guilty. Or he said, and going back to what I said about me, boy, I hope, I hope, the, I hope the deacon board don't get together tonight and fire me after I make all these confessions. 
But it does say if a man looks upon a woman in lust, it's the same as if committing the act. Because God looks on the heart. But thank God that in the process of this. Now here's what I get that the devil don't get. I get forgiveness when I seek it. He does not. <clears throat> there is no forgiveness. You know the Bible says, in first, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 3, and I haven't got time to go into all this tonight, but I will say this. We have been, what you and I experience in the mercy and the grace of God, the ancient folks in the Old Testament times used to look about at and anticipate a time when it come when, this, when they no longer lived under the law, and there'd be this amazing grace and how sweet the sound. Not only that, but it's, we are the subject of, of pro, prophetic proclamation in years gone by. Prophets used to prophesize about a time that would come when God would join all the nations of the world. And not only that, we are the subject of angelic fascination. Angels desire to look into because you know what happened when they sinned? They got kicked out into chains of everlasting darkness. And so they watched. I'm going to. I hate to talk, talk about your preacher, but I guess I will. Take the focus off of me a little bit. So here's this preacher of Cornerstone Free Will Baptist Church. A man of God. I know him to be a man of God. I've got the chance to work with him and deal with him. He is an honorable person. He's a loving person. He's a, he cares. He, he wants to preach the gospel. But he messes up one day just like I told you I did. He did. He's got guardian angels watching over him. There he goes. He's got two of them. One's on this side, one's on this side. There he goes. He's going the wrong way. He's going to get in trouble. If he goes over there, he's going to think the wrong thing. There's, let's turn him. Boy, we can't turn him. Let's stop him right here. He's going. He's going. He's going to sin. Oh, he's going to sin. And we know what happens when we sin. And he goes out and he commits a sin, but it breaks his heart. And upon that godly sorrow of conviction, he falls to his knees. And the angels are waiting for the lightning bolts to strike down from heaven because that's what happened to them. And they're waiting for him to be destroyed. But no, no, no. God's mercy endures. God's grace is sufficient. And the blood of Christ covers him. Angels are fascinated by that. That's not what happened to them. They got the boot, didn't they? They got kicked out. But just because we get forgiven and just because we live by grace doesn't give us a license to live any old way we want to. That's right. You know, the writer wrote in Peter, he said, the day is coming when judgment must begin at the house of God. I don't, uh, I don't like being called the world's best dad by anybody else but my kids. I want my kids to think I'm the world's best dad, but I know I'm not. I made some terrible mistakes raising my children, terrible mistakes. I don't think I'm the world's best husband. Now, I have pointed out a few guys on down, walking down the road that I told my wife, I said, Dick, you got a pretty good deal than me. <laughs> you could have had that. But I am not the world's best husband. I'm not the world's best preacher. I'm just a, I am what Paul said he was. I am what I am by the grace of God. But folks, if we don't wake up to what sin is, 
Sin has made the world that you and I live in a wilderness. But being saved, it makes it a mission field. And I could go down the list. I had a lot of things, but I'm going to stop. I'm just saying this tonight. The big bag wolf is going to come try to blow your house down. He's going to sneak in. All four of my kids, one pastors a church, is a, uh, is a Rolla, a Mosaic Free Will Baptist Church. It's a mission church that's up there leading people from all over the world to Jesus. Farron kept himself pure for 40 years before he found a wife. And he told me, Daddy, he said, it like it drove me crazy. He said, fighting thoughts. Fighting stuff in my heart. Sin has bit my second oldest son, Ben. And it almost destroyed him. It did destroy his marriage. Ben was the best Christian worker I've ever had in my 43 years of ministry. The best. I'd put him up against anybody. He did everything. Except he let sin come into his door one day. It wasn't that God couldn't forgive him. God's done that. It wasn't that God couldn't do some restoring. God's doing that. It's just he paid a high cost. The old saying is this, sin will take you further down the road than you plan on going. It'll keep you there longer than you plan on staying. And by the way, it'll cost you more than you ever plan on paying. My third son... I had to put him out of my house. You know what it's like to look your son in the face and say, you can't live here anymore. Preacher come to my house, he said, it's like a funeral around here. What's the matter? Well, I just had to put my son out of the house. I don't feel like living, just to be honest about it. But I was dealing with sin in my son's life my daughter me and her laid on our bed at a state association and cried all afternoon because of what sin was doing to my daughter but I had something I had Jesus I had the power of prayer and we went to our knees Aaron's doing fine Ben's moving on Brett's okay. I, he'd fit in with you bikers. Brett's doing okay. And Amy's doing fine. I'm still battling for my family. Look here. The devil knocks on my door. He's got a fight on his hands. He tries to come in my church. He's, he's got a fight. Hey, will the devil try to destroy the unity of the church? The body of Christ, where the love of Christ are to be. Listen to this, beautiful watching. I told these girls the other night, they actually are smiling up there, looking happy when they're singing. It's, Diane, God's, I think her head is going to bounce off when she's thumping that piano. She's just having a great time. Isn't that nice? Lord, help us keep it that way. And when some type of bitterness, some type of division or strife comes in, let the law of God nail it and let the blood of Christ cover it and move on to the glory of God. Amen. Verse of invitation.
verse of invitation. You might be caught up in sin tonight, like me, my family, others have been. It might be eaten away at your life. But Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor ever laden, I'll give you rest. I've told some of the worst people I've ever met in my life, murderers. I told them they could cast their cares upon the Lord. They said, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells me, cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. He loves you. He's not a respecter of person. Let's stand. If God deals with your heart, we've got an altar to pray at.